Oh, good morning, church. It is good to be back in your presence. I'm going to do a few commercials before I get into the regular scheduled programming. Uh, I want to thank Mark. Where is Mark? That was a great prayer. He's back in the back. Thank you, my brother. I fully appreciate that. I, those who spend time with God. And uh, Pam and I had the opportunity to stay with Steve and Carol at their B&B. Uh, it is awesome. I would recommend it highly. So if you haven't been there yet, uh, you have an invitation from me to go. And whatever they want to charge you, just send the check to Peter, and we'll take, take care of that. That'll be no problem. I'm excited to be here once again because, as I've mentioned over and over, uh, Pam and I have been blessed uh, through our 36 years of ministry to see churches change and see them evolve. And so we're excited that Lawson Road, uh, we remember back in the day, we were here. And uh, I want to tell you, uh, it wasn't as colorful as it is now. So I'm so appreciative that uh, that is happening uh, in our time. I have a little clip, hope it works, that I want to show you that will introduce uh, something that Abraham did and also my sermon for you today. So let's see if this works and then I'll proceed. Yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You and the Deep South? There's gonna be problems. Promise me you're gonna write me a letter. No problems. Tell me that don't smell better. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. Who would be interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country? It is my feeling that your addiction Oof. could use some finessing. but Why are you breaking my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Balalonga. Dear Dolores. I saw Dr. Shirley play the piano. He's like a genius, I think. Come on, take it easy. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket. Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. What are you doing? A letter. May I? Dear Dolores, sometimes you remind me of a house. You know this is pathetic, right? Put this down. The distance between us is breaking my spirit. Falling in love with you was the easiest thing I have ever done. P.S. Kiss the kids. That's like clinging a cowbell at the end of Shostakovich's seven. And that's good. It's perfect, Tony. You never win with violence. You only win when you maintain your dignity. You don't know your own people. You, Mr. Big Shot, doing concerts for rich people. So if I'm not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, then tell me, Tony, what am I? Anyone can sound like Beethoven. But your music, what you do, only you can do that. about the bones. We do this. <laughs> Pick it up, Tony. Squirrels would eat it anyway. Pick it up. Now, if you've never seen that movie, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, the movie is called The Green Book. 
and it doesn't really cover the Green Book. But let me show you one more inspiration for me, and it is this right here. Last year when I came, I had two grandchildren. This year I come, I have four grandchildren. If I come back next year, I'm not going to have eight, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, uh, Pam and I were blessed. Uh, our son has twin boys, and uh, we're just, again, the joy of our lives, and so we're so excited, uh, as you can see that we enjoy being grandparents, so we covered your prayers as my son and daughter-in-law now have three boys under the age of three in their home. So no sleep, no sleep. Yes. As I mentioned, the Green Book. The Green Book was, if you don't know, it was a Negro motorist green book guide. And the book was provided for African Americans and was to give them advice for safe places to eat and to sleep when they traveled. My grandmother actually had a green book. Uh, we lived there in Virginia, and so she had a green book. And so it was first published in 1936 by a Harlem-based postal carrier named Victor Hugo Green. And it was inspired by published books for Jewish audiences because they, too, had problems traveling in America. Green developed a guide to help black Americans to indulge themselves and to travel without fear. It was important. And why is that important? Because in the story of Abraham, we find that Abraham entertains three strangers. And Abraham does some things that he knew that were innate, were a part of his DNA, that was a part of his culture to do when visitors came his way. So when Abraham had the opportunity, he noticed these men, and he gave them hospitality. These three visitors, and they came to him, and he knew exactly what to do. I want to encourage you this morning to have some radical hospitality. I want to encourage you this morning not just to have a potluck what I call belly ship, I want to encourage you this morning to really think about a time and an opportunity when you can invite someone that doesn't look like you, talk like you, act like you into your home. Now I'm going to share with you, hopefully, how we can get that done. But Abraham, back to him for a moment, the character of Canaan was a place that was kind of a bridge between Asia in Africa. And it was a popular trade route. And so people needed to know where they could eat and sleep. In the absence of a formal industrialized knowing of hospitality, people living in these cities and encampments had a social obligation to welcome strangers. From the Old Testament text, we find that in this, this, this idea that when we saw people who were different, we must provide hospitality. One author, one scholar, finds some things that he said was a part of this DNA. He said, in this zone, the villagers were responsible to offer hospitality to strangers. It was a given. They knew if it was a stranger in the area, they must provide hospitality. Second, a stranger must be transformed from being a potential threat to becoming an ally 
and the offering of hospitality. You don't know who this person is. You don't know if he's what he or she is about, but you relinquish that. You bring that down a level just by offering them hospitality. In the Old Testament time, only the male, the head of the household, or a male citizen of the town or the village may offer the invitation of hospitality. Number four, the invitation must include a time span, a statement for a period of hospitality. And it was extended, and it gave the the visitor the opportunity to say yes or no. But if the visitor were to say no, it was looked upon negatively. Because the person who offered hospitality to you, you should say yes. Quick sidebar, I was preaching in in Kentucky. And after the sermon, we had Sunday night service at the time, so we would go out to eat with one of the members. And lo and behold, I was given the privilege to go eat with a friend of mine. At this, She was a school teacher. She was single. She couldn't cook very well. And she made this, Steve, this chicken casserole. And it was runny. And the chicken wasn't well done. And see, I was taught, was put before you, eat, boy. <laughs> and so I, I got the first plate down. I thought I was done. And my friend who was going to preach that afternoon with me, another fellow student, said, oh, look, sister, Clarence is done. He wants a second. (laughs) Oh, I kicked him under the table. (laughs) But I hate it. (laughs) And so the same principle is here that you you were a stranger and you were invited to, unless it caused some health issues, you must eat. Once the, and again, the stranger really couldn't refuse. They had to take it. Once the invitation is accepted, the role of the host and the guests are set by a custom. The guests must not ask for anything. The host provides the best he has available. I don't know if you know it or not, but when celebrities are asked to go somewhere, they send a list ahead of time of things they must have. And if they don't get it, they don't perform. They're not coming. I, I, I started to bring one on the list. It's, a, it's crazy, the stuff they ask for when they're the guest. But in this day and time, if you were a guest, you could not ask for anything. You must accept whatever the host has to offer. The host must give you the very best that he has. Whether it may not be the best for you, it's the best that he and she can offer. And last, the guests will remain protected under the host's protection. Once they entered into their home, they were protected from any harm outside. And you say, Clarence, that's kind of strange, that's kind of wild. But you look at what Abraham did here. Abraham looked up, he saw three men standing nearby, and when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent and met with them and he bowed low and he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, please do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and then you can wash your feet. Rest under the tree. Let me refresh, let me get something for you to eat. 
so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant, Abraham knew how to bring about hospitality. The word's not even mentioned here. But he knew how to be hospitable. He knew it. And so I can understand the Hebrew writer when he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Steve, I'm an angel. I like it. Yes, yes, entertain an angel, man. You know, that's good. I don't know what kind yet, but we'll find out. But, but listen to what it says. He says, by showing hospitality, you could possibly be entertaining an angel. Now, hospitality and generosity are often underappreciated in the Christian realm. Some people are cut out to just be hospitable. They just love it. And some folks don't like it at all. They just don't want to do it. But I'm here to tell you that Scripture says, if you're a child of God, you must be hospitable. Now, I'm going to share with you some ways that I think it can be done. But you must practice hospitality. Because God did. Listen for a moment to Scripture. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all mountains. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces, and he will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trust him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trust in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. That's from Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. Isaiah prophesied and said, the Lord will put before us the best. The Lord practices hospitality. Another verse says this. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepares a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he said, he sent some more servants out and said, tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. An ox and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast to the wedding banquet. We know that's figurative language, but still, the idea is that God wants to invite us into his presence. He wants to invite us into his table. He wants to invite us into his home. He wants to take a boat with us, and he tells us to follow that example as we be hospitable to others. Hospitality, one author has said, fosters good relationships, and Abraham and Sarah's hospitality provided an early biblical insight to the way relationships and sharing a meal go hand in hand. These strangers reaped a deep understanding of each other by sharing a meal and an extended encounter. This remains true today. When people break bread together and enjoy recreation and entertainment, they often grow to understand and appreciate each other better. 
Better working relationships and more effective communications are often fruits of hospitality. Hospitality. Practicing hospitality. True hospitality is difficult because we feel sometimes we must also entertain. We must also have an impeccable house. I tell folk all the time, I'm not coming to see your house. I'm coming to see you. But yet we feel the house has to be a certain way. We must be able to engage and entertain. Y'all say amen, you get a chance. And, you know, and so that's what happens. So true hospitality in our culture has diminished. We're too busy. Who has time to be hospitable? I work 12 hours a day. Some of us got kids. Homework, baseball, football, soccer, hockey, violin, you name it, we got it. And you want me to invite Steve and Carol over, right? Well, I got time for that. Well, you do. You actually do. Because true biblical hospitality is not about entertaining, it is not. You don't have to be an entertainer. You do not have to be someone to just make sure everything is spotless, everything is perfect, because guess what? You're putting up a false front. Because I know your house is messy sometimes. Sometimes. may not be all the time, but sometimes. When my grandson Cassius comes over, my house is a wreck. That boy got stuff everywhere. Toys here. I love it. I know it bothers folks. Oh, no, you're going to step on a Lego. Oh, that hurts, but it's okay. It's okay. Welcoming one another into our homes is a radical idea. People just, it's something about it. We used to do it all the time. It used to be a time in our history where folks were always invited to each other's homes. It was great. We did it. And somehow, again, Satan has distracted us and lied to us and told us we can't do it anymore. No one wants to come to your home. They're too busy. Well, I'm going to give you four characteristics that I believe will help you. Because you don't have to be an entertainer. You don't have to have a spotless home. You don't have to have a lot of money. You, all you need to do and to have is just to be you. And I'm going to say this probably twice or three or four more times. It's okay to share your mess with someone else. <laughs> it's okay to let them see that you're always not so, as we are on Sunday morning, looking all good. Hey, you know, check it out. Sharp, man. You know, looking good up here. Folks see that on Sunday morning. You all see me on Monday. I ain't dressed this way. I mean to say ain't. Uh-uh, no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So first, I don't know if I have it up here. There's some biblical principles. Entertainment impresses. Hospitality blesses. See, the first distinction is that who is the center of attention when we invite someone to our home? If the attention is on me, 
He goes, Steve, pride. If it's on me, then I got to be I got to be the entertainer. I got to tell you how much wisdom I have, my abilities to manage life, my winsome and great personality. I got to show you how my children are so obedient. I got to be have a clean, perfect house. And so if I'm going to entertain you, I must impress you. But if I am hospitable, all my job is to do is to bless you. I believe God has given us the ability to put blessings on people. We should be a blessing, not a curse. And so when people come into our presence, we have the privilege and the opportunity to take the spotlight off of us and put it onto them. I want them to leave the house enriched and encouraged, better having been in my presence. I see my guests as I see myself with my pains and fears and disappointment. Hospitality becomes more of an opportunity to tear down that wall and let brokenness find some healing and have the grace of God placed before us. Hospitality blesses. It's okay to let your hair down. I can't do that anymore. But it's all good. Hospitality is a privilege and a time to listen. My brother said this morning about listening. Hospitality is a blessing when that person sits at your table and they just unload. And sometimes you don't have to say nothing. Just sit there and listen. Maybe nod every now and then that you're still awake, you know, and listen. And sometimes just leave with a prayer. Just pray over them. Second, I believe hospitality, entertainment is babbling. And I say hospitality listens. How many times you go to someone's house and you talk about nothingness? What I mean by that is sports, news, what's going on in Washington? What's this? We, we find ourselves trying to fill the air with something. You got to keep talking. You got to keep babbling. You got to keep doing it. And intimacy is lost. Because you really are not talking about something that's substantive, something that's biblical, something that needs to be heard and shared. And so hospitality, when it's done correctly, as I mentioned, listens, and then maybe sometimes you got to go to the verse. Open that Bible. And most people, to my knowledge, has one of these. Right now it should be silent, but you got one of these. And last time I checked, most people, if you want to, you can tap an app, and show and lo and behold, the Bible comes up. It's taking time to turn. Uh, but it'll come up in a minute. There it goes. And the Bible will come up. And you can just, and also most people, if you walk in a restaurant, they got their food and what on the table? Y'all know I'm right. He's smiling. Everybody does it. We do it. And usually while we're eating, we're doing this. Stop it. Unless you're listening and you are going to this device to share that blessing. You're going to say, hey, you know, I just read, you know, that brings up, I just read this. Let me share this with you. I was reading the other day. We were fasting and, pr- and praying on Monday. And, and the preacher said, you know, read Mark. And let me, let me say, let me. Sh-. 
You talk about powerful stuff, church. Oh, that's, that, that person on the other side said, you're listening to me? You heard me? And you're going to share? Oh, my goodness. What a difference it makes. They forget you were a bad cook, and now they see how good the blessing really was. Through pursuing genuine hospitality, we become other-centered. We find ourselves in conversations, deep conversations, about things that matter. Let's not, we, don't misunderstand me, church. Yes, I want us to vote, but guess what? Stuff in D.C., stuff is going to happen no matter we vote or not. The news, stuff is going to happen. It's going to happen. But what's important is what's going on in your life right now. What are you hurting about? What's, what's on your heart? What are the things that you are stressed out with? What is happening at work? Maybe there's a husband and wife that in you been married 43, 55, 65, 100 years. You can help them. You'd be amazed at what you can do. Hospitality. Savers. It listens. Hospitality. True hospitality. It tunes our ears to joy and pain and fears just through the sharing of a simple meal. And the environment of intimacy is shown. And then hospitality. Oh, I've missed stresses. Okay, I'm too fast, Peter. I've been preaching so fast, I've forgotten my line. Uh, but the stresses of life do kind. And lastly, and I'll come to that, hospitality, entertainment is excluded. Hospitality honors. You don't have to do it at your house. Maybe your house is not what you think. Maybe you are embarrassed. But the last time I checked, there are a whole lot of restaurants in Rochester. I mean, come on. There's a whole lot of places that you can go to. And sometimes you got to save a little bit, maybe. Maybe you got to save a few dollars. Because, you know, we went out to dinner one night and it was $100. And then we didn't, I mean, we drank water. You know, it was, good gosh. That's what it cost. So, you got to save a little money. But the saving is worth it. Why? You're going to entertain an angel today, tonight. You're going to take them out for dinner, and they're going to get ready to pay the check. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. God and I got this one. Now put him in there. God and I are going to pay for this. Watch what happens. Watch the face. I was telling someone, <laughs> and I won't tell you where we were because you probably know the place. We were, I was coming to be a preacher there. I was, in, I was being interviewed. And usually they take us out to dinner. So we can meet people and share the time on the table with them. And the brother who invited us, he got, we were at a fast food restaurant now. Now it was my wife, my mother-in-law, and my four kids. And we ate at a fast food restaurant, so it wasn't that expensive. So the brother that we were with had a $5 bill. All I got is ones. I'm a preacher, so all I got is ones. So uh, he had a $5 bill. And he kept, he was just, and Pam said, honey, he's not going to pay for our meal. I said, oh, dear, come on. That ain't going to happen. They invited us to be 
the minister here. We're the minister's family. They invited us. They're being hospitable. He kept <laughs> waving that five dollars. He was first in line, by the way. So I figured he's gonna say, and I'll take care of all these behind me. Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> Homeboy paid for his meal. I'm so glad we had a few coins in our pocket because <laughs> we paid for it. But it would have been nice if he had told me ahead of time. But I don't want you to go Dutch. I want you to genuinely think about planning that I am going to invite someone and I can, they can't come to the house. But I'm going to find a restaurant that we can go to together and we can sit down and just spend a meal and talk. That's all. Right now, right now, the need for Jesus is heavy. Right now, we have to make a difference. I go back to Abraham for a moment. You guys, some of you know the story. The angels came to do something special for Abraham and and Sarah. But the Bible says, then he ran to the herd and selected. I just want to focus for a moment on he ran. He didn't say, oh no, I got to do it. Oh gosh, they want to come over and eat. Oh my God. I don't know what I'm going to fix. What are they allergic to? No. Scripture says he ran. And then when he got there, Scripture says he said, quick, Prepare this. Abraham knew that hospitality was vital. He knew that the way he presented himself, his wife, his meal was important to his visitors. He had the opportunity to impress upon them Jehovah God Yahweh. And too many times we have forgotten. It's not about what sports team is winning. It's not about who's in office. It's about are we valuing the person that we're sitting across from or next to to let them know Jesus loves them. I love them. And we want them to go to heaven. And so they might never get an opportunity like this ever again. But by sitting across from you and sharing their life with you. Don't miss the opportunity for radical hospitality. See, the Green Book was important. The Green Book taught African Americans where they could and could not go. Church, we got our stinking Green Book. We've been taught where we can go. And when I'm in the home of a Christian, what better place to be? Let me share with you a few things, a few thoughts, my two cents, and then I'll be done. If you have the equipment, And in your neighborhood, if you can do an outdoor movie night, set it up, go to your neighbor's houses earlier ahead of time, especially if they got kids, and say, this day, we're going to do a free movie night. Won't you come and be with us? Now, this may be the first time you've messed up with your neighbors. You don't have to talk about God or church or anything the first time. Now, the second time is different. But the first time, just invite them over. Invite them all in. They can be in the backyard, wherever you choose to do it. 
put a few speakers outside, get the projector, you know, just come and take that one down and just, anyway, just find a way. Find a way to do a movie night and watch what happens. Offer, like today, we're going to have all kinds of food down there. Now, I told Pam, I said, last time I was here, somebody bought chitlins. I don't know who it was, but it was here because I ate them. And I said, Pam, this year, you got to try. You said, no, oh, no, I'm not. Like me and okra, her and chitlins. But I say that jokingly, but seriously, maybe you should offer a cultural night where you cook a meal or food that this person would normally not eat, normally would not have. Who's her brother? I'm not going to eat okra. Just letting you know. You can bite me, but I'm not going to do it. But it may be a meal that they normally would not get, but you invite them over to at least experience that. And then another thing you can do, especially for your neighborhood, is go to the door and say, is there anything that I can pray for you? Don't try to convert them. Don't try to preach to them. Just ask the question, is there anything that you would like for me to pray for you? Most people don't get upset at that, even if they're not religious. You want to pray? Is there something in your life that is so important that I can pray for you? You'd be amazed what happened. Fred Wesley and the JBs had a song, Breaking Bread, Breaking Bread. I'm an old school guy. But I found a song by Johnny Cash, and it says as following, Breaking Bread, Breaking Bread. We gather here together to break bread. Breaking bread, breaking bread. We gather here together to break bread. It's not the barley or the wheat. It's not the oven or the heat that makes this bread so good to eat. It's the kneading and the sharing that makes this meal complete. Breaking bread, breaking bread. We gather together to break bread. We gather here together to break bread. Upon the water, prayer he cast. The, fir- the last is first, and the first is last. For everyone who eats this bread, the- there are thousands, maybe more, that will be fed. We gather here together to break bread. Church, breaking bread is powerful. Being hospitable is radical. I know we're busy. I know our time is valuable and it's important to us. I get it. Trust me. But you sit here among people and some of you don't know each other very well. I was in Sumter, South Carolina. I was the new minister. I had been hired. I came there that Sunday morning and I asked the brother, do you know where brother so-and-so lives? They had been together for eight years. Eight years. And he said, Clarence, I don't know where he lives. What? He said, he's been here. We, we, we've done, we've done you know, church work together and worked on the building together. He's a great brother, but I don't know where he lives. I had a sermon all prepared. I switched sermons midstream. I said, oh, I'm going to change my sermon today. It's going to be something different. But it saddened my heart 
that this brother had been with him for eight years and he didn't know where he lived. Never been to his home. Never been invited. But yet the preacher must be in everyone's home and know where everybody lives and know all the sins you have, guys have. <laughs> Why is that put on us? And everyone else doesn't know. You may say, you know, I don't get that sister's attitude. Well, then get to know her. <laughs> I don't know what that brother does. Well, I get to know them. Because guess what? We all got some baggage. We all got a story. We all got something going on that is life. So what do you come to church for? Just to say, oh, I, oh, I, I marked that off. I went to church today. No. No. I'm telling you, no. The church got to get out of these walls, man. We have to. It's necessity right now in America. People must see, must hear, must understand. So you go to work. And you know, predominantly, I'll pick on the white folk because I'm, I'm married to a white person. I can do this. I got privilege. So you go to a work job and most of your co-workers are white. And you're at the water cooler and you're discussing your weekend. And they say, where'd you go? Well, Saturday night, I had chitlins. <laughs> you, you did what? <laughs> yeah. I went over to Sister so-and-so's house and brother's house and we sat down. You kid, are you okay? <laughs> huh? Or my black brethren, you know, we go over to someone's house and they got, you know, four forks and five knives and it's all laid out, you know, sometime. And it's like, man, just give me a fork, dude. You don't need all that. <laughs> you know that. And, and you get there and you go, okay. Now you go from out to in, in for out. Which way do you go? And then you got to eat. And then you're at your water cooler and they say, where'd you go this weekend? Man, <laughs> and they had cloth napkins and uh, yeah, but that's what they got to hear. That's what they got to see. They got to see that our culture is not about skin pigmentation. Our culture is about us being human in God's sight. Our culture needs to see that hospitality is not just for those who look like us and walk like us and talk like us. It's got to be different. It's got to be if we're going to help change anything in society, this church, all churches, got to get together again and say, enough's enough. We're tired of this. And God sent his son to put blood in our veins, one blood, his blood, so we can look like him and talk like him and imitate him. So hospitality, breaking bread, in the day of Abraham, and the New Testament time was so vital. Scripture says, practice hospitality. So some people got to practice it. I think I told you out here last time, I love shooting ball. I'm, I'm, I'm a hooper. I'm a gamer. I don't have any knees anymore, guys. I can't slam anymore. I can still dribble a little bit, but, you know. And I got, I got a chance to play with Pamela Tess. I got to play with pros. I played with guys who made it to the league. I, I, I feel good about that. But guess what I did most of my life? Practice. 
It's normal now. I can just do it. No problem. I practice. I practice. I practice. Both hands. Boy, I got to be good. Both hands. So sometimes you got to practice hospitality. First time, it may be bad. Second time, it may be terrible. Third time, it could be horrible. But the fourth time, oh, you're getting good now. You know how you got the swing of it. Practice hospitality. That's what scripture says. Practice hospitality. Don't be afraid. Don't let Satan lie to you and distract you and tell you, well, you know, they may not like it, or your house is not this. Don't let Satan do that anymore. Satan, get behind me. Don't have time for that. Don't have time for that. We're too busy as it is. You don't even have Satan in your way. I'm going to show what I got last up here. These are my thoughts that I had for uh, dinner and the culture. I get so busy, I don't. If you want these slides, just text me, email, and I'll get them to you. I'll leave you with the greatest feast ever. My brother did a great job this morning on the Lord's table. The table to me has always been special. That the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, would allow a hood rat who were a gang member with the 40 boys, who snorted, who shot heroin, smoked marijuana, who stole, who drank profusely, who was a womanizer, a cheat, a thug. Did I miss anything, honey? I'm talking about me. He allowed me to come to his table. He invited me to sit down with him. He, he, he said, I got a grace for you too. Come on, sit down and eat with me, son. I love you. You're my son. And he invites every one of us to the banquet table. Doesn't matter how bad we are. Doesn't matter the sin we got in our closet. Jesus came and said, you come to my table. Sit. Eat. You're valuable to me. You're so valuable, I'll die for you. Now I can tell you, I see the cross from some folks, don't think I'm ready to die for them yet. <laughs> I love them, but I don't know. If, I got grandkids I want to take care of. I'm not ready to go yet. But Jesus Christ said, I'm ready to die for you. And he did it. He did it. So when you invite someone to your table, think of yourself for as a moment as Christ. Because don't we carry the name Christian? Doesn't it have Christ in it? I think so. So think of yourself for a moment that you're Jesus and you're inviting this person to the table. What would he do? Y'all know what he would do. So church, let's practice hospitality. Let's get radical about it. When I call Peter next year, and I know he'll have somebody else, I'm going to say, Peter, how did the hospitality go? He said, Clarence, I've eaten in 25 houses. I'm getting so fat now, I don't know what to do. But that's all good, too. When you think about your life, just remember, most people have something going on. Most people. I don't care if they're wealthy. I don't care if they're poor. Most people have issues. You have Jesus Christ. You have the gospel. You have love, grace, and mercy. Will you share it with them? Let me pray for a moment. Hey, God, thank you so much for this time.
I pray I've said some things that did not invoke negativity, that did not uh, cause someone to be offended, but cause them to think about how they can invite people into their homes. We love the fact that you invited us to your home. We love the fact that you still take residence with us, that you rest in our presence. Help us to weed out our schedules and find ways to be more hospitable to those in this body, in this family, and then go out beyond to those we do not know yet. Thank you for Jesus. It's to him we pray. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you've struggled with life. Maybe you're here this morning and you just don't know which way to turn. Maybe you're here this morning and the church has hurt you. You feel just so angry. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been reading your Bible, you've been studying with someone, and you know you need to repent of your sins and, and be baptized into Christ. And I'm here to tell you, the story I said about me and about my drug addiction, that's all true. That's not fabricated. That's not made up. That's who I was. I was an old thug. And Pam's mom and Pam herself saw something different, saw something genuine. I didn't see it. And so if God allows that kind of person to come before him, come on, church. The invitation is made for us to come and share, to receive that prayer, to do what God has told you to do. So we want to give you the invitation, invite you to come to Jesus right now. 